Welcome to episode 157 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, is Ian the Sauce Sharply. Hello. Absent from tonight's episode is Matt Cassell. He will undoubtedly be back next week. But tonight... R.I.P., Matt. R.I.P. Temporary R.I.P. Not like David Bowie or Prince R.I.P. No, no, no. Who seems fairly permanent. Ah, you never know. This isn't like a Tupac R.I.P., which has been kind of nebulous. Yeah, yeah, that's up. No, I guess this is a this is a Tupac R.I.P. Right, it's Matt's much, not really dead. It's much like Elvis Tupac, Hoffa, Jimmy Hoffa. Is yeah, that an old, possibly, too old school uh, Jim, reference? Uh, Jim Morrison. Is that no? He fucking died, right? No, he, I feel like there have been plenty of Jim Morrison sightings. Yeah, I feel like there's a third, like Elvis. I thought maybe it was, not dead. Tupac, maybe I, not yeah, dead. I thought it was Elvis. I thought it was Elvis Hoffa and or Elvis Tupac and Jim Morrison. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And now Mac. And now Macassell, who will undoubtedly rise from the dead. We'll have our own mix sauce Easter Sunday next week. The McResurrection. <laughs> but until then, Ian and I are going to take full advantage of talking about television shows and or netflix shows we had to murder matt in order to talk about tv his disdain for the medium is so great that we had to just kill him and bludgeon him to death with his own lightsaber (laughs) so here we are tonight we're gonna talk uh well i am gonna hype a little voltron from dreamworks and netflix we're going to talk Preacher, Penny Dreadful. We're going to cover Game of Thrones later in the episode. So, Matt, you undoubtedly had not have not caught up on Game of Thrones yet, so cover your ears. When you're editing this later on, we know you have to listen to it, but just turn it down a tad and hum a little song. We'll not say anything about Ned Stark coming back. Oh, oh shit! Oh, Jesus! So be careful when you're editing. That's going to be the show tonight, but we like to start off every episode with housekeeping with Ian Sharpwood. If you go to mixsauce.com, you will see the ghoulish vestige of Matt. Dis- no, you won't. He's, <laughs> he's usually not there, but he is on this Is podcast. Matt going to be in female Ghostbusters? No, he said that looked really bad, so I doubt that they'll be busting. Well, the, maybe uh, that's why he'll haunt it, though. Oh, possibly, or maybe he'll... Uh, uh, maybe he'll possess somebody. Who would we like him to possess? I, I feel like may- maybe he could come back and possess Jody Yarden, and then maybe we could have Jody on the show <laughs> at some point. Yeah, but I like Jody more than Matt. <laughs> if you go to our Facebook page, you can yell at us and tell us how mean that was that we said uh, that Matt was dead and also could possibly possess our good friend Jody. You can also find the other podcasts where we insult other people on iTunes. You can go to Stitcher, Podomatic, McSauce. Podcast.Libson.com is also another place where you can find all the good quality McSauce things. But you're here. You already know that. What I want to tell you right now is a few things that you might not know about. A few podcasts that you might not have heard of quite yet. One of them that I'm pretty sure that you haven't heard of. Friends of McSauce, Rob and Chuck, have started up a podcast of their own. We hope this finds you well with Rob and Chuck. A tale of two friends, one in Pittsburgh and one 
tra transported to the magical land of Texas. And it's a story of two friends just having conversations on the phone about um, Rob kind of telling stories about how weird it is to live in Texas. They kind of have some conversations about music, growing up as kids here in Pittsburgh. So if you go right now, I think they only have it on Facebook. If you go to their Facebook, we hope this finds you well with Rob and Chuck. You can listen to their tapeacall.com conversations and uh, support some friends of McSauce. Uh, other long-time, long-time friends of McSauce, Ryan McCormick of A Fireside Chat. Ryan has come back really strong the past couple weeks with a bunch of episodes. This week, he delivered a mammoth episode. It was like three hours long or something like that. It'll take up your entire day, but you'll thank us for having Ryan's melodious voice in your ear for an entire work day. Uh, he fielded questions from his mailbag this week. So if you check out uh, Ryan on mailbag. his mailbag, <laughs> you can find this episode on all your normal I podcast had, locations. I had a chance this 4th of July to throw back quite a few drinks with Ryan McCormick of Fireside Chat. And not it, it's not only on the podcast, listening to the podcast, he makes me feel like I want to spill my guts. Ryan but it's also is, he's it's a, also he's a natural natural interviewer, storyteller. Yeah, he 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 brings um he's capable of bringing your deepest darkest secrets out of you. So even in even in person, uh, you know he was he tapped into something that I didn't really know was there. I like to think of Ryan McCormick <laughs> as that therapist that I just don't pay. I just don't pay my bill whenever right. I talk to him. <laughs> right, uh, Ryan. I hope. I didn't embarrass you this past 4th of July, but it was absolutely my pleasure sharing drinks and heartfelt opinions. This past week's episode, both Paul and myself supplied some uh, pretty pretty heartfelt questions to the podcast. Uh, Ryan doesn't need our help. He is a wonderful storyteller and uh, question fielder, if you will. So he... He gives you he gives you his all. He hurt his back, but he gave everything that he could to this past episode. So check out a fireside chat on Facebook, on Stitcher Radio, as well as iTunes, and anywhere you can find your podcasts. And last but not least, this past week, this past two weeks on the guest room with Larry Ganny, this house's own Paul McGinty, and our good friend Brian Shapinski. Shared the microphone. It was actually, it all went down here in the McSauce Studios, where they recorded two episodes. One focused on TV, one focused on Jim Wigmore. And or, music, or, mu or music, and a little Jim Wigmore. And or bashing Brian Chapinski. So, that was a lovely episode of the Guest Room Podcast. I, uh, I have... You were, featured you prominently. I have... Uh, prominently. <laughs> Maybe a little too prominently. It's You're in the front, sir. Uh, Who's going to deny you? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm always in the front. Uh, I, I have such a good time on you know, my my one time on a fireside chat and being on the guest room a couple times because we're we are a podcast about comic books, comic book culture, comic book movies. You know, we keep everything you know in the realm of 
you know, comic books and nerd culture. But being able to jump out on the fireside chat when we did in these last two episodes of the guest room to talk about chips and quantum leap and you know the merits of modern family and modern sitcom storytelling it's stuff i don't get to talk about here like i don't get to talk about how dave Grohl's not really a good singer he's a good musician but he's not a not really a good singer i don't get to say that stuff here well, but because I, I mean he was uh behind the drums in nirvana for a reason like he was a young drummer and but didn't have the greatest singing voice and still doesn't but he is a great oh human. that's a I, I mean and, and he's but that's he's a great. difficult opinion to put forth on on the guest room well he's a well, he's a drummer and i know that there's a soft spot from larry Gang. well they're like all the, drummers yeah but like Which is know, why being, friends able, with you. being able to to go on the guest room and you know talk about guns and roses and foo fighters and jen wigmore and like all just branch out and get all this stuff off my chest and i was just so excited to be able to get all this stuff out that i maybe went at brian's mother a little too hard little i too maybe hard. had some strong opinions about pink floyd and rush and some of larry's favorite bands but that's what i do i'm in the front i bring that heat and i bring that heat on two excellent episodes of the guest room we're one big podcast family uh, it's a fireside chat, the guest room, our friend Tiffany Moore from More Than You Can Chew. We're one big podcast family, so. Battle Comics. Oh, they died. R.I.P. Battle Comics Mel. R.I.P. That old Comics Mel. But we do have some great news that the makers of that old comic smell have a new podcast, Case in Point, with. Jason Case? Justin, Justin Case. Justin Case. Justin Case. And Jody I believe, I believe, is that what it is? I thought Jody and Jason were working on something else. But Justin was Case in Let's Let's take a look. I think that it, I, I want to say that Jody is on Case This weird uh, avatar with Justin Case. Jody Gearden really sold me on their breakdown of all the Kathy comic book strips. I'm yeah. kind of upset that that's not happening. Yeah, that is sort of disappointing. Oops. Yeah, me and co-host Jody Yearden on episode one. Oh, so. if you need your that old comic smell fix, case in point, we're going to be promoting it. Look for it through the McSauce channels because they're good friends of ours. We like the products they promote and we like to promote those products to our friends. So check out their, uh, Justin and Jody have their podcast available on Libsyn. You can also find it on their Facebook page if you type in Case in Point. They also have a Twitter handle at Case in Point Podcast. So they're ready and raring to go send them questions send them feedback listen to their show and above all tell them that the mcsauce guys sent you so tonight tonight i want to say all connected in with our our little housekeeping that we did here uh, and the guest room appearance that you had you were you were talking with larry and, and our good friend brian about not being able to talk t 
television on your own podcast. I was offended. I, I even heard little Brian, he, 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 he kind of said something. He was like, not even Ian likes TV? And you're, you dismissively said, well, no, he doesn't really watch anything. And I have to say that that infuriated me. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? What I I knew I knew what I was getting into when I said it, but for the for the succinct nature of being on the podcast, like I didn't need to get into the TV Nick viewing sauce, habits of politics of my partner in crime. <laughs> and I I thought about it, I thought about it probably more uh, for longer and harder than I've. Then I should have thought about this, but I think that what it boils down to, it comes down to the, the nature of the kind of things that we like in our fiction. And it, it boils right down to DC and Marvel. You like the optimistic hope of what can be, and that's sort of the kind of TV and stuff that, that you like to watch. You like to watch some lighthearted comedies and and things like that. Uh, you're you're you like Friends back in the day, didn't you? Yeah, yeah I was an alright yeah. Friends guy. I mean, I, I know enough. I know some Friends, but I, like I wasn't. I watched I, the bulk of my Friends viewership was in reruns. Okay, okay. I wasn't like a, you know, musty TV Friends. That was my, was that musty TV. Uh, could be. I wasn't like Friends when Friends was on. Viewer. But you're more of like a mainstream sitcom yeah, viewer. Yeah, yeah. You like you like your main you like your Mike and Molly's. You like your Modern Families. You like those mainstream kind of things that kind of promote some what, what the best that can be of television. I kind of like the Marvel side of things, which kind of maybe show the warts and the cracks in the characters and the in in the situations and I like your uh you know I like your Mr. Robots. I like sort of maybe really oh I love Mr. Robot. I can't wait for it to come back. <laughs> but see my oh, here yuck, yucka. You don't like but have you watched Mr. Robot, motherfucker? No, have that, you watched no, it? No, that guy's so what ugly. do you know so what he's He's so ugly. So, so but I really do that like, also boils down but to I really do like you that love your from... pretty Male leads. That's what you like. I do love that chick from Suburgatory. I I, I like maybe yeah some, some awesome, like, awesome Master of None. I love. Do you Grant. know? Do you know what that is? Have I love Graceland. Graceland. Oh, yeah. Pretty male leads. Yeah. Diverse cast. Diverse cast. Yeah. You've never watched uh, Orange Is the New Black. You no. don't like the despicable cast of no, Always not. Sunny in Philadelphia. Well, I've wa I've never watched Orange Is the New Black only because I feel like now we're so far in. I I have a hard time catching up on anything. Yeah. Like I watch so much TV. If I don't catch it when it starts, it's a lost cause. Right. That's something like that um, Breaking Bad which I know I'll never watch. You're never going to you're, uh, you're not going to like that. cards. Like there's a lot of things out there that are really hype stuff that I would like to check out but I know we're so many seasons in or the series the series is over at this point I'm never going to watch and that's where Orange is the New Black Falls but I would like to check it out but Always Sunny I watched a ton of episodes not it's funny like not enjoyable super funny me. but you just don't like the characters you don't think yeah, that right. somebody that you can get right. in testament that you would like them in real life testament to the well I mean we're probably them in real life 
But testament to Which Charlie Day is what I think is ridiculous that you don't like them because there are a lot of terrible things that we do that are very similar to what they act like on this but show. But maybe I don't like seeing who I really am. It, it uh, possibly that could be. But Charlie Day, testament to his acting, is I don't like him in Always Sunny, but I adore him and everything else I've seen him in. So he, he's he's pretty funny. I think he's a he's a great actor, a great comedic actor, if you will. He like and and I like uh, I like the main guy. Um, he's been in Mini Project. I wish I remember um, his name. It's uh, only two man booth. I don't have the the right um, free movingness to look up his name right now. But we know who the main guy he, is in Dennis, Always Sunny. Well, there it's either Mac or Dennis. It's probably Dennis. I forget what his name is. It's the not the actor's name is. It's not Danny DeVito. <clears throat> right. It's not Danny DeVito. It's the other guy. It's we know probably it's, Dennis. We know it's not the chick. Right. Because <laughs> why would that? <laughs> why would it be like, that? nonsense? But yeah, like that that actor, he's really good in, in Mini Project. But I've seen Always Sunny. I'm just not feeling it. Right, I understand that, and and I think that when it comes to another part of uh, what you like, you like you like a little bit of fantasy with what you what you're watching on TV. You like a little bit of, like I was saying before, the best of people, and not really the ugly dirty side of what they're like and i like to see reality i like to see weird i, I like to see reality like the wire that's a great fucking yeah. tv show i love the wire that's something that i could never recommend to you because it's just completely out of your lane of the things that you like because it's not that it's but the wire it's, is something it's too it I, I i hate to say it's too real because i'm not trying to say that you like that, that all tv is fake all tv is fake it's not it's not that it's too real. It's too um, it, it's too it's mundane. Is that is that correct? Because it's is like it too, things that happen. Is it too gritty? <sighs> man, but like, I mean, maybe. See, but the wire is something I would like to watch because Really? Like I know but you hate I know gangster stuff. You hate Yeah, but it's not drug culture. It's shit. not I, I I hate it from the gangster drug cartel perspective. But something like USA's Graceland only ran three seasons. Brilliant. Amazing. But it's from the FBI perspective. And that's The Wire. The Wire is the wire, from... The Wire, you get it from every the, different level. You get it from... Well, it's not just from the police's perspective. You get it from the police. You get it from the ground-level drug dealers. You get it from the, the newspaper. You right, get it who's, from City Hall. Who's the main guy in The Wire? It changes every season. No, it doesn't. There is one main guy in every show... Who is it in the wire? It's the guy from the affair. I'm trying to think what that actor's name is. Uh, the main guy with the weird lips. Yeah, I guess his lips could be weird. Dominic West. Dominic West. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And, and but, who is who? Who does Dominic West play in the wire? But also FBI, FBI guy. But also uh, right? for for three season, Idris Elba is also. The counterpoint to him because he is the, yeah, yeah right and then I'm just saying he is yeah head, but they have equal screen time like you see it from both ends yeah you yeah you see it from both ends and same with Graceland which was another show terribly cut too short uh, Aaron Aaron Tavietz, uh Mike 
Mike Warren was the guy all three seasons. He was the series lead. But uh, Paul Briggs was the antagonist. And you get equally both of their sides, but Mike Warren is the guy that you're following. So I feel like with The Wire, it's probably Dominic West's character that even though Idris Elba gets a lot of time yeah, D- Dominic, Dominic West, West is probably like the, the guy, but he also isn't the greatest of dudes. I, I guess that's... Oh, well, neither's, like, neither neither is anyone on Graceland. I mean, they 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 all have checker paths. They all do checker stuff. I'm not plays, against. I'm not against that. I would like to watch The Wire. But it plays into your. I like my heroes to be heroes, and I think that colors the way that you not only watch TV but select the programs that you want to watch, and also the movies that you want to watch. You kind of shift out like any specific genre like gangster movies you're not ever watching fucking casino because you don't like any of that stuff but i really liked oh um matt damon and leo dicaprio the departed the departed i really well, that's, liked the departed. i mean that's like the duality that's because funny i'm that like, you like that. yeah that's... matt damon go <laughs> super handsome leads first of all first of all you need super handsome men as your leads that's what you need that's what i've discovered i I didn't watch Parenthood from the beginning, and Parenthood is like squeaky clean. Everyone is super. Like, I mean, everyone is the best that, that everyone should expect. Yeah, everyone to be in Parenthood. Um, and the who the what's the lead in Parenthood? Uh, Peter Krause. He is. Right. He was also in Six, Six Feet, Feet Under. Under. Also in. There's a new show on uh, ABC that he's in as well. I forget what the name of it is. Uh, the right the now. catch. Yes, with the yeah, woman from the killing. Right, he's your traditionally you know handsome, handsome you know, square jaw, yeah, fucking man, yeah, leading man. That you yeah, like, I'm in. You motherfucker, <laughs> I'm all in. <laughs> so and what I really point like. Are you making? I really, I really like, I really like Parenthood. But at the it same has sexy time, dudes. yeah, and Graceland also had sexy dudes, but Graceland also had. Everyone was flawed in that show. Every character was flawed. And same with Suits. I love Suits on USA. I, I've never watched Suits. Everyone has a lot of problems. Your two male leads, handsome guys, a lot of problems. So, like, I mean, like, I, I understand what you're saying, and I can't really argue that. You make a good point, because I do like my heroes to be heroes. And at the end of the day, Harvey Specter on Suits is the hero. He does some questionable things but it's nothing that's ever going to deter me from his character but um like something but <sighs> i'm having what like, what, sh- what show oh, have i watched that i didn't like 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 was well, something like always sunny like i just i'm not There's, i can't there get invested is no hero in character on always sunny because they're just all over the top like bananas caricatures of what terrible people are and I think that, especially in a comedy... Would you say that's the same reason I don't really like Seinfeld? Um, yeah, I mean, because I think it's Because my same. favorite characters in Seinfeld are Seinfeld and Kramer. One who is the lead, who we can only take so far. And the other, who's kind of retarded, so it's not his fault. Yeah, I, I think that they're, it's the same kind of like... But Elaine... It's the same... Elaine and... Elaine's still fucking and terrible, the other one. Who's the short George, ball? Elaine and George. George they're horrible, sir. They're horrible. Both of the, all four of them are horrible. Like Seinfeld's not a good dude at all. That's the, that 
that's the purpose of them, and that's what is funny about the season finale is that they're talking, or the series finale, they're in jail because they're fucking terrible people, and I, I don't remember all the specifics, but I remember it was underwhelming and everything like that. But the point was that they're all deplorable human beings and deserve to be in jail. Because George and Elaine well, why do you need brought your, why Barry do you need down your characters to, to their be level. Like, well, well, you've admitted to being a terrible person. Why do you need your TV characters to be heroes? Why We've do you already need your covered superheroes? the fact that I don't need to see a mirror image of myself. I, why, so, I don't, are, we, so, are we breaking down the psychology yeah, of my TV we, viewing time? Yeah, 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 that's what we're doing. I, I like I, I don't I don't know I I really don't know why that is maybe that is why I mean maybe it, it's so simple like we've just broken this down the only reason right why the only reason why I'm attacking you is because I'm trying to think of a real reason why you and I diverge on our TV viewing on not on the big stuff because on the big stuff I think that we agree we we watch Game of Thrones oh well here's but here's an example of horrible people. In a TV show. And it is my favorite comedy. It's in my top three to four of all time. And it's FX is you, you're the worst. They are terrible people. I mean, they are, like, you know, every one of them besides um, Desmond Borges. Mm-hmm. Like, every, every character, they're just... Terrible, self-centered, broken fucking people. Right, but there's a there's I feel like there's there's a hope and there's a redemption in these characters. There's there's a, a, a there's a storyline through each one of these characters, especially through Jimmy and Gretchen, the two leads, that we're we're getting somewhere. And even if they are not good, even if they're not good people by themselves. They're better together, and they're yeah. making themselves into better people. So they're like, I feel like something like Always Sunny. You can run that forever. They're always doing dumb stuff. That's what the show is. But something like You're the Worst is a little more intellectual. It's a little more deeper. There's a better story being told for the development of these characters, even though they are not not reprehensible people. Well, we well the difference is that. The Always Sunny is a, like I said before, is a caricature of terrible people where uh, You're the Worst is a study of terrible people in the different layers. There are no layers to Sweet D. She's just fucking awful. You know? Like, fucking Mac has no layers. Charlie just likes to kill rats and huff glue in the basement. There are no layers to that. You can find it fun, like, but you have so you have to understand that that's the show you're watching, and that's funny because it's straightforward, one-dimensional characters, where you get you're the worst and having more weight to it and everything is because they're multi-layered characters. Those are flesh and blood people. You could see those people. You are those people, and I agree with what you're saying. The hope is that those people together can like kind of mend mend themselves and, and like make a better path for themselves and fix each other and that's the which leads hope. which leads back to where we started with the hope of DC characters and the hope of the hero that someone 
whether it's one person or two people together, will be able to get you out of this. Like some something will give you the hope that you need to get by. I like it. I feel like we've we've covered some ground tonight. We've made some 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 strides in uh, how we feel about TV, and I'm glad. I like it. Speaking of hope, Voltron on Netflix, mm-hmm. produced by DreamWorks, 2D animation, with, traditional. Yeah, with it's got like some 3D bits and pieces. Yeah, like we'll 3D like ships and like lines and the mm-hmm. monsters are kind of 3D, but they're not CG 3D. They're le- like 2D, 3D that was introduced in early Futurama 2000s. has a lot of that stuff. <clears throat> Family Guy has a lot of that stuff. I know the audience, they're, they're a keen bunch. They know exactly what we're talking about. That Voltron series is gold. Ian, you haven't watched it yet. I haven't. Tell me about it, though. I'm sure Matt will never watch it. He hates TV. It is exactly what you want from a... 30 year later rebranding of a childhood property. Uh I love I love Voltron. But Voltron was Voltron never cracked that top 3. It was always Transformers, He-Man, Star Wars. That's an impossible top 3 to crack, dude. How can you be That's the holy trinity. Maybe maybe 4 and 5 are ThunderCats and Voltron. Yeah, maybe Maybe. I mean, maybe four and five. No, I mean, like, some people have... and chips. Your chips love was bananas. Like, I can't believe that you guys like chips that much. I, I can't fucking, fucking believe Fucking love it. chips. It's totally crazy. Best uh, of the a lot 70s. Of people, a lot of people would say G.I. Joe would be in a top yeah, three. Yeah, yeah. Not... Not yours. Never cracked mine, but yeah. I mean, yeah, G.I. Joe was huge. Yeah. Huge. But Voltron was always a big big part of that equation i had all of the die cast heavy metal, as fuck lions. break your toe right like once you put together once you assembled voltron with each 10 pound lion you could just look at it because as a child you couldn't move it that's how you got your workout was moving voltron it's, from place to place in your bedroom as soon as you were like i'll form the head it fell through the floor and flew in through the crust of the earth. It was so heavy. It was so some, heavy. But fuck that plastic. Some kid piece in China of- was like, Christmas, I got a Voltron. Fuck that plastic piece of shit Voltron, though. Oh. Like, fuck that. I didn't want that. But you had to buy the, or press your parents into getting you the plastic toys that went with the plastic one I so pre- that you could have the action figure. Right. I appreciate the. Voltron Force. I appreciated having, you know, the actual Keith Lance Pidge action figures that actually went into the lines, even though the design wasn't as faithful, because those the die-cast metal ones, they looked like the metal robots from the show. I remember walking past a toy store for months, and like, oh, Mom, there goes Voltron. I remember... I remember Voltron cost $100, and my mom was like, you're fucking crazy. In 1984 money, $100 might have been $1,000. Who yeah. knows? Nobody could possibly Bananas. know. Bananas. But it was way too expensive, and whenever 
my parents were, were nice enough to buy me Voltron for Christmas. I was the luckiest fucking kid on the street. Like, it was awesome. I think that's why I never had Plastic Voltron. I had to go down to my buddy Matt's house to play Plastic Voltron because my mom was like, fuck you. <laughs> you got die-cast lead metal Voltron. Heavy You're done. Shit. You're done with this anime bullshit. This is it. Watch some, Transform- household Watch some Transformers. They're starting to make those all plastic. I'll get you a cliff jumper that's all plastic. That's you know what- who's all plastic? Masters of the Universe. That's what you're getting. Not, <laughs> not to put down Masters. Masters top three. Easy. No question. But you would... So you would put... Uh, you'd put Voltron in the... You know, like, creeping around three, four, five... <clears throat> jockeying position with fucking Lion-O. Yeah, yeah. Thundercats, Thundercats and Voltron Tatara. fight for... Fight for... Uh, oh, sexy, sexy Princess Allura, too. Yeah, they fight for number hey, four. Allura doesn't got shit on what, what made Stop. What made Voltron weird was that... Was the anime. Mm-hmm. It was that there was... Even as a kid, there was clearly something different happening from the more traditional at the time animation of he-man and transformers and thundercats and even gi joe like voltron was different yeah see i didn't feel that way because i watched robotech which was legit anime right and volt and robotech was even more anime so like seeing like uh, that's what kept Volt voltron out of the top three i love the it's a- international I- flair Right. You fucking racist. <laughs> oh, I hate diversity. <laughs> so, yeah, like, something something about Voltron. It was always always a little kind of different, always a, a, a little weird, because everything else I had grown up on was sort of similar. And this was so different. I didn't really... I, I understood that there was something different happening with it. And there was, because, like, a lot of scenes were created in Japan, and then they were spliced with other Japan shows to all put together and form, oh, well, here's your American version of what this is. And it all wound up different. But I still carried a torch for it all these years. I love the concept. I love the five pilots piloting five different lines. They come together. They form Voltron, which is probably always why I had a chip on my shoulder against Power Rangers. Because I'm like, yeah, Power Rangers, you're fucking cute. We did it with Voltron 20 years earlier. And it was better because they're lions. They're all lions. They're fucking uniform. We're not a fucking Megazord. What the fuck is a Megazord? We all know what a Voltron is. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know what a Megazord is. Voltron just, I mean, aesthetically, Voltron was just cooler. I mean, it just was. It looked better. He had lions, which are the fucking... King of the jungle! King of the king of space! King of space! King of the robot lions! And you fly in, and you you take five of them, and you mash them all together, and they assemble what? The fucking king of everything! And then he pulls out this sword over the top of his head, and has this badass pose. You all, you all know the pose at home. God damn it! Voltron was awesome, and fuck. Your Megazord. And what? Cheap and what a- knockoff. And the live actionness of Power Rangers made it chintzy to me. It was also cheesy. Yeah. I didn't like that. None of that. And it, and it was a direct ripoff. And I was upset. 
I'm sure that that's how, I'm sure whenever my mom heard Regulate, she was like, that's Michael McDonald's beat, goddammit. Oh, that's, I, that's, I keep forgetting, and I'm sure that that's how she felt. That's, that's how I felt about the fucking Power Rangers to Voltron. Right, and it's, this, it's the same chip on my shoulder that I had when Pacific Rim came out. I'm like, oh no, you fucking didn't. Well, You've got. Mm, it's mm, not the same thing, but no, go ahead. No, it's you've got. No, it isn't. But I mean, you've got all the you've got all the basics in place. You have a human entering a giant robot to fight a monster. Right. That's fucking Voltron. Just make Voltron. And there's been a lot of shit on Twitter and on the internet about McGee and Kellen Lutz being involved in making a new Masters of the Universe. And I'm like, yeah, 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 do it. But at the same time, I'm like, maybe this, is, maybe this isn't what I want. Maybe I don't want you to do that. Because we kind of got modern-day Voltron, and it was Pacific Rim. But DreamWorks, DreamWorks and Netflix Voltron, that is the Voltron that all of us want. Even those of you that don't know Voltron, that all you know is what we've told you, is that it's five lions that form a big robot that fights monsters. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't know what know what Voltron is, then you're probably going to have to turn the show off. Like, seriously. Why are you listening to us talk? There, there, there have been plenty of, plenty of franchises and licenses over the last so many years that have tried to reboot, whether in a new animated series or in a comic book or in a toy line. Someone's tried to get everything off the ground. We've seen Masters of the Universe. We've seen Voltron. Mm -hmm. I've read two really good Voltron comics over the last couple years. I've also started to read and quit, a really terrible one. But this Voltron series on Netflix, it's 11 episodes. The first episode is an hour, so it's technically 12 episodes. It's traditional anime. It is everything you want from a modern-day Voltron series that's going to appeal to your kids, and it's going to appeal to fans like us of the original series. There are a lot of callbacks to the original show, a lot of tips of the hat, uh, some stuff that I didn't think was going to make it into the series. I was like, oh, well, I guess. I was, I was disappointed at first. I was like, oh, they left that stuff out. And then it shows up in a different scenario later on. And you're like, oh, they are using it. And, like, they didn't shy they away from... that many deep cut things on there? Or, like, yes. are you that well-versed? That what, Do you think that I would know? Like, I've watched... Yeah, yeah you would. Okay. You would. You would absolutely get this stuff. Okay. Um... Uh, the the latest uh, the latest Voltron comic from Dynamite they try to roll out a new a new pilots force. It's not Keith Lanch, Hunk, Pidge, Sven, the Princess. They're brand new characters. I don't know how well the comics did. As soon as I found out it wasn't those characters, I'm out. Like, why do you want to? Besides the Force Awakens, like, why do you want to read a Star Wars comic about the Battle of Yavin, where Someone else takes over for Luke. Why reinvigorate a franchise without the key pieces that made that franchise? Right. Well, like, do you want to see G.I. Joe without 
Duke, Scarlet, Snake, Flint, Eyes. Roadblock. No, no. Why? Why would you? And the, and um, I feel like this Voltron Netflix series is doing exactly what Nickelodeon's Ninja Turtles series is doing for that old cartoon. It's taking all the best stuff and making the lore deeper and more dense, and they're just building on everything that was on all of that foundation that was laid before it's not trying to well the show ended in 86 and we're picking up from there like they're starting it fresh but they're just rebuilding it and it's so good um the biggest change is you don't have sven when voltron started sven was one of the five pilots eventually sven gets killed and the princess takes over and that's um, why the color scheme's all fucked up. Right. Well, and this one is Shiro. And, like, once you watch the series a little bit and you look at the animation and everything, you realize, oh, well, this is why we're doing this, because Shiro is clearly Japanese. So he's got a different name, and it makes sense for the series. And uh, Josh Keaton, the voice actor that did Hal Jordan and Green Lantern in the animated series. Yeah, that sounded familiar. Does an amazing job. There's a lot of layers. He's a Shiro. Shiro. He is Shiro. You've got a with a racist Japanese accent. No, American because someone Shiro's like uh, Japanese American. Someone like Stephen Yoon, Glenn from The Walking Dead, Korean, doesn't have an accent. Voices Keith. That's oh, it. In the oh, series, cool. and he is amazing. What's funny? What's awesome about Steve Yoon's voice in the show? is that you'd have no idea he's Keith. But Norman Reedus, who plays Daryl Dixon on The Walking Dead, plays... His page. He plays like a, a scavenger, a smuggler in the Voltron universe. But he sounds just like Norman Reedus. It sounds like Daryl Dixon from The Walking Dead saying things like King Zarkon. <laughs> it's so fucking bizarre, but Steve Yeun does such a great job. Uh, Tyler Labine plays Hunk. And he steals the show. Uh, he sound, he looks and sounds just like our buddy Lee DePiro from the Guest Room podcast. Uh, if you listen to the Guest Room, the, if you've met Lee from the uh, Guest Room. The Gearbox Union. Gearbox Union yes, podcast. Yes, from the Gearbox Union. Not from the Guest Room. No one on Voltron sounds like Larry Ganny from... Nor could they. The Guest Room. Yeah, uh, it, they, they expand the universe. They make... Everything a little more serious, like all the threats are more threatening. Everyone has a little more backstory. And you're left at the end of this 12-episode season just wanting more because you only you only break the surface of each of these characters. And, and each has their own voice. Um, Jeremy, Jeremy Shada... From, who does Finn on Adventure Time. Okay. Does Lance's voice. And sometimes you can hear a little Finn. But he does such a great job that by you know by the time you're a couple episodes in, like if you don't know that's who that is, it's Lance. Mm -hmm. And each character is so well defined. The princess is so well defined. Um, Karan is well defined. It's such a good show. Like I went in with the lowest of expectations. Because I'm a Voltron fan. I thought, oh, they're going to modernize this. They're going to change some stuff up. They already changed 
Sven's name. They hey, Shiro. Fuck Sven God and Shiro it. now. The A diversity is named Shiro. But holy fuck, did this guy sell me? The whole the whole crew that created the show sold me entirely. I might watch it again. I'm excited to watch it. You've I know this is super I was hype. So, I, I was, know it's super hype, but I was check sold this already. Out. Um I I it looked good. It has received great reviews. Your uh, sell job on this has really, you know, has really uh, done a good job to, I think, get fans of this show as well as fans of just general Voltron this um, excited to uh, check out the show on Netflix. And you can you can stream it on Netflix. The whole thing's there, so you don't have to wait. If you get all excited and you want to watch every single episode. You can do it in one day. Just call the fuck off from from work. This is, this is the first thing I blazed through on Netflix. Like I'm not a fan of the You're Netflix. Not a big Netflix season guy. drop because like I don't I, I don't have the time to just get through something like that. Because you're an obsessive compulsive completionist, where you don't need to be like that. I'm also busy. I also have other things going on. I, I do too, but I enjoy watching shows at my leisure. As opposed to getting, possibly getting, I've been spoiled less by Netflix shows than I have by week-to-week shows like The Walking Dead or Game of Thrones or anything like that. However, I do understand why there is something to the, the slow build, to watching a show and talking about it to people on the, at the water cooler the next day and listening to podcasts and kind of like speculating on theories on that season, I think is the the thing that you miss out the most whenever you watch a show all at once on Netflix. There is no speculation. There is no what could possibly happen. What what does this mean? You find out all of those answers in one gigantic dump, just like you said. Um, but so I think it's only for certain shows that I want to watch at a week to week pace. But other than that. I, I preferred, just give me the whole show. I'll watch it all at once. So let's get into a little, where do you want to go next? Do you want to go Preacher or Penny Dreadful? Uh, where, where where do you want to go? Healy Chili, man. Uh, why, why don't we, let's, let's go, uh, let's go uh, Penny Dreadful. You want to go there? Penny Dreadful, three seasons, three ten episode seasons. Uh, I was saddened to learn that the end of season three is the series finale. Show's over. I feel like it came out of nowhere. I feel like I watched the last episode and I was like, oh, wow, that's the end of this show. Well, you told... I was... I still had three episodes to go and you told me, no, there's an end. But even... Even in the DVR synopsis, it was, oh, the series... Series finale... Or season Season finale, finale. Season finale. But, yeah, by the time you get to the end, I mean, it's an end. Right. Um, how did you learn about Penny Dreadful? Did you, uh, were you a Showtime watcher? Did you check it out all the time? Did you, did it just, like, come around and you saw advertisements online? Like, how did you stumble upon it? Because I feel like I just, one day, I was talking to you, maybe, and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, check it out. And then I got deep into it and watched the entire first season in probably three days. Yeah, I think... Um, 
as we talked before we were we were recording, my memory is garbage. But I feel like there were already uh, little teases and previews for Penny Dreadful towards the end of Dexter. Maybe. I didn't watch Dex- Dexter while it was happening. I watched it only on uh, DVD release. So because I didn't have Showtime. I didn't watch it in real time. Because the only things I've really watched on Showtime were Dexter and then Penny Dreadful. So, I mean, there that has to have been... That ha- has to have been the correlation between the two of them. So uh, that's where I learned from Penny Dreadful from. And I was like, oh, it was, you know, creepy show, monsters, supernatural. Yeah, it looks dark and creepy. You know, mm-hmm. I'll check it out. Um, so I did, and the first season was amazing. Um, you know, the there's a twist in the middle of the first season that has been unlike any other hook of a season of television I've seen and I've seen a lot of television I've mm-hmm. watched and when I say television I mean you know you know, I've seen Netflix stuff I like that you make the distinct. that's something that yeah. I wanted to uh, go back on you make the distinction between television and Netflix well and I, 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 I want to stop which is doing like that. ironic because I feel like they're both the same thing it's just the way that you watch television yeah and I and like you know part of my making that distinction is that like, I want to include, you know, Netflix and Hulu and all the different ways that we're watching series of quote-unquote television these days. That, like, I've seen a lot of things. I've been around. But the way that the first season of Penny Dreadful sets up all of the characters, and then in, in the middle of the season, they spin everything on its head. And you're like, holy shit! Like, it was... Season four of Dexter-ish to me. Like, the way... Season four... The way that was done so well. The Trinity season. Yeah, the the Trinity season, I think, is the greatest... I mean, we've talked about it before. It's the greatest season of TV that I think is ever going to be out there. Right right now, ever out there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When I, when, when I think of greatest seasons of television, it's Dexter season four... Penny Dreadful Season 1. Fargo Season 2. Fargo Season 2 is really great. And, Net- uh, and Netflix Voltron Season 1. Wow, that's so bold. And it's totally, <laughs> totally fucking insane. Um, but, I mean, let's not not hype Fargo Season we, 2. Can we... Can we from uh, FX. Can we bury the lead a little bit also? And I would put Game of Thrones Season 6 in there as well. Was that this past season? That's this past season. I thought that there were a lot of things that I loved from this past season. And maybe it was because it was a season of fan congratulation, and here you go, and you, but, win, and yeah. you win a Jon Snow, and you win a Jon Snow. No, and they're I'm just in. handing shit out. They're like, fucking fan service, we're going for it. Yeah. I, I ate it all up. I loved it. I'm in, I'm in with that season because like every other season it's been... Oh hey, this is what you like. Fuck you. They're dead. And like this, this season, season was we a, get a complete reversal of that. Right. Like uh, we, it, I don't want to call it fan service because I don't necessarily. Oh, man, think, when you bring back your favorite character from the dead, that's yeah, but that's part service. of that's part of the story. I mean, George R. R. Martin may have may not have written that in the books yet. He but did write. These that. guys have taught. Yeah, he yeah, told so them. He said, "Hey, he's coming back from the dead." So it's not. And like, it was something that was set up. It wasn't unbelievable it was a theory that everybody had because 
there was a out that was already placed in the plot of the story that was right there sitting in front of your eyes. The person that could bring somebody back from the dead was right fucking there. Yeah, so it's, but it's, it's not like D.B. Weiss and the other guy were just like, They're oh, not hey, guess out. what? We're yeah. doing this. I mean, they got together with George R. R. Martin, and they plotted all this out. So even if right, but even if by the say, time he gets to the last book, he's going to be like, well, I don't really feel like doing that anymore. Things it, may be different, but from three years ago when they talked to him about how this all plays out, that's what we're getting. Like, so if fanboys are fucking mad that it's not lining up with the books, well, fuck you, George R. R. Martin doesn't know how this is lining up with the books. In the context of the season that we've seen already, it totally is the season of fan congratulation and fan service. It, it is. Like, I can't even, like, be less harsh on it. It is, because a lot of things happen that were very, like, you want this, here you go, have it. Do you think they're doing that because... Next season, they're going to kill everybody? I don't think that you can. Like, would you... You would alienate the entire cat. Like, the entire fan base by doing that. But we're... Right, we're, but, we're, but, but, but I mean, like, that's kind of... That's what, like... When I hear... I don't think that they're going to kill everybody off, but I... But do you see the difference, like, the stark contrast between what has happened, before, like, in the previous seasons and how fucking down and dreary... Yeah. And this season, which is all victory... Yeah, and I, but when I hear you say fan service, like to me that sounds like here we're gonna give you all of this great stuff in season six. Like George R. R. Martin started all these books, and he's like, "Yeah, I don't fucking give a shit. People are dying left and right." But Weiss and the other guy, the the guys that are creating the show, Devin Hoff or whatever the fuck his name is, David Benioff, Weiss okay. and Benioff. Um, when you say that, it makes me worried that they're like, all right, we're going to give you big congratul- congratulatory hero season. All the guys that you want to see when even someone like Cersei, who's been under you know the Sparrow's thumb all season, she's finally going to get her is, way. Is, is Cersei somebody you root for, though? This like, season you were, but after she went fucking... through... Oh, come, but come, she come fucking on. deserves it. She's a fucking terrible person. Yeah, but by she's the time... She's done terrible things to the kingdom. She like. has. And she's not a good character, but she's not completely reprehensible like Joffrey or Ramsay. Like, you know, you understand maybe, maybe Cersei's motivation. But, but at the end of the season, she totally is, dude. Like, at the end of this last season? Fuck yeah. Why? Because she fucking blows up the Sept of Baelor, kills... All of the important people, all as well the, as all the small, right? All she the kills small folk all of the people her. that needed to go because they were crazy and fucking nuts. The high sparrow, all the sparrows, all that nonsense. Right. They needed to go. Right, but she didn't just blow up. It wasn't just contained to the Sept of Baelor. It was all the small folk that were well, around of all the fucking people of the city, all the people that she's charged to protect as fucking Queen Regent, man. Like, yeah, she's not charged to protect them. Tommen is, and Tommen's a right. pussy because she made him crazy and killed himself. Right, like, yeah, like but, a pussy. Yeah, but or like, or but like somebody not, that's pussy. Oh, don't don't act like you're watching Game of Thrones because you're. 
worried about what's happening in fucking Flea Bottom, and you're concerned about. Oh, I'm characters. sorry. No, 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 I'm no. sorry. No. You want to know what's there going on? There are a lot on. of minorities in Flea Bottom. There are no minorities in Game what? of Thrones. What? What? There are yes, there are. Yeah, there's <laughs> fucking Sir Davos's black buddy who dipped like three seasons ago. Hey, he was like, "Y'all are crazy." And all I'm of, out. of Dorn is they're pretty Spanish. fucking brown. You they're ask, Spanish. They're pretty fucking brown. That's they're all Spanish. I'm saying. They're not. They're not black or Jamaican. <laughs> They're Spanish. <laughs> oh, okay. No, minor, you don't get to pick your minority just because that's the only minority available. No, I mean, there are black dudes in, um, what was the, god damn it, what's the place with the, uh, the greatest city that ever was and ever will be, I forget Bravos? what the name of it. Not Bravos, that's not the place that, the greatest, what's the city that, um, Danny walked through the Red Waste to get to that city. I can't remember its name right now. But oh, Jesus Christ, there's so many city names. Well, I mean, a lot of the... Well, there are a lot of, like, where... Her where, army is the primarily... Unsullied. Yeah, the Unsullied right. are primarily yeah. black. Because I'm you out. got... I'll give you... I'll also give you the Dothraki. They're not fucking black guys! <laughs> Come on, goddammit! We don't ride horses! Yeah, get the fuck out. I've seen you know how many horses I've seen you ride. Zero over here tonight. Oh dear. The Dothraki are black, are they? They're not. The, Dorn. the Darth the Dothraki are not black. How dare you try to claim Dorn? I claim Dorn. Dornish for life. Like you're eating fucking quesadillas over here tonight. <laughs> I had something in a fucking tortilla. Dornish for life. That's absolutely true. You did. But the High Sparrow needs to go. And we've, we've watched, was totally Cer- crazy, but we've watched the- Cersei's story from the very beginning. You didn't feel any sympathy for her when she had to do the, the, the walk of redemption or whatever. The walk of shame. Naked and shame. Her. Yeah, right. No, and she's a terrible fucking the, person. The, the Sparrow really I felt bad. I felt bad whenever Tommen jumped out of the... When oh. Tommen jumped out... No, shut up! Because did when really? Tommen jumped out of the window because it completed the prophecy that she was always fearful of. That's why I felt bad, because I was like, oh, fuck, well, what that witch told you at the beginning of season five has all come true now. And she she spent her life, I think, in at the beginning of the books, she was like, all I want to do in my life is protect my children, or something like that. And she got all her fucking kids killed because she's a dumb fucking bitch. Yeah. Not a dumb bitch. A ruthless bitch. Totally different. Yeah, but that, that doesn't mean... So you feel bad for Cersei. You you heartless. I don't feel bitch. bad for Cersei, but I felt good for Cersei when she lit all that shit up and all those fucking nuts. Did Queen Marjorie deserve to die? Did poor... Don't care. No. Don't care. No. Who? Poor who? Did, did poor, poor who? Did poor Loras, who was being tortured just because he was a gay man who liked Rand? Yeah, because Loras should have had some fucking backbone. He didn't have any backbone. He was in the fucking prison for four yeah. seasons. Yeah, and you know what? His fucking sister is coming to him, and he's like, look, get your shit together. I'm going to get us out of this. And what does he do when it's time to get his shit together? He's fucking broken, he's like, man. He's like, I can't take it. Yeah, I did whatever. And Marjorie's like... Loras, what are you doing? I had a plan. Look, Marjorie had a whole plan. He was yeah, fucking Marjorie, broken. You Marjorie, can't. I feel bad for her. I feel like, bad for Marjorie. Everyone let her down. I she had a plan. Everyone let her down. Loras, fuck Loras. Fuck High Sparrow. Fuck all those dudes. Fuck them. They all went up. 
all, all the small folk, small folk Game that the- are right around there in, in, in yeah. the and region. If, you don't you care know, about... Me, no, I don't give a shit. Me, you know, re, you know me reasonable you, casualties. No, no, no. It's no. all right. We live yeah, in Game of Thrones people. world. We're fucking dead, too. We're dead before... We don't even get this chance. Well, what can we, we do We don't even get this chance. Like, if me We've and you made are bread. The gamer. We're the fucking guy that's like, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm going to be the bread guy in this small town. I'm going to learn to make bread. Do you want to be one of the faceless men? We can do that. No. Oh, are you fucking kidding? The yeah. faceless men? They're like Assassin's Creed hardcore shit. Yeah. We're not faceless men. No. Can we're, we do that? No, we are, I mean like... We are bakers. We are... Oh, we, we are, run a tavern. We run a tavern, right? Like by the twins. We're fucking rock out. You know, it's a lot of traffic. A lot of traffic. You got I a lot of people like, coming for the phrase. I don't know. Tour. I don't know where the... The twins are, but like, over by, like, what have to, I feel like would they're crazy. Would have to be somewhere between King's Landing and Winterfell. It's super a little, cold there. I don't want to be there. It's too cold. It's too cold. Where do you want to survive, asshole? Because that's what it comes Can down we go to. to summer because islands. We're gonna. Well, I mean, we could probably run a tavern in Dorne. Hey, this is my people. You know why? Because, because the Dorne aren't quick to anger. I mean, you need to do something to them to make them mad. You could roll in the door and be like, hey, we want to sell some brew. And they'd be like, all right, why don't you put it down there? Yeah, we would be tavern owners in, in Dorne. Dorne. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like because, it. Because I, mean, I, like, I, I, like, I like the Dorne. They're like, I mean, if you kill their brother in some or, backhanded shit. Or you like kill their sister first. That'll do. Yeah, it. then you're you're fucked. But if you just want to roll down the door, yeah, you respect their ladies, you sell some beers, you're good. I like those sand sinks, man. They're dangerous, but that's sexy. <laughs> that's our problem. <laughs> Back to Penny Dreadful. Uh, three seasons. I expected the season, the the series, to go much longer, but as it turns out, the creators just had a three season story to tell. It's really weird because I figured that Penny Dreadful was one of the higher-rated shows on Showtime. It was definitely the marquee show that I thought was happening and that I came to Showtime to watch. So it's strange that they would wrap it up, but kudos to the creators for knowing when and where their story was ending. But, Paul, did you feel like they wrapped their story up uh, appropriately? No. I didn't. Uh, John Logan, the creator, uh, had come out and said, "Yeah, it's three season story, and you know we're done, and that's mm-hmm. it." You know, unlike something like Supernatural, which the creators had come out and said we had a five season arc, and that was done, but it was doing so well. Now we're now we keep going, and since then Supernatural is kind of had some meandering seasons and always trying to figure out what they're doing with that show. So part of me applauds. John Logan for being like, no, this was it. This was my story. We're done. But the finale, it just wasn't the finale that I wanted. Like, I understand sacrificing a main character, like you had said, Walter White dies at the end of Breaking Bad, and that's that's a natural, satisfying conclusion. You know, he altruistically sacrifices himself so that What's his face can get away. Jesse Pinkman, yeah, one of the things. Sort of, right? No, he absolutely gets away. Jesse Pinkman escapes, and Walter White wipes out the his captors as well as 
sacrifices his, himself and uh, sort of vindicates his family. And I think that it was one of the more satisfying satisfying season finales that I've I've seen. Um, people have commented that they didn't like it, and uh, he's still blinking at the end. Blah blah blah. I I don't know. I mean, I think that the end of Breaking Bad always was aimed at Walter White not making it out and and doing something selfless because the crux of Breaking Bad is that he's making meth to make money to save his family. And in a way, the selfless sacrifice that happens in the finale, while still mired in bullets and blood, is sort of still the theme of what Walter White always wanted to do for his family. So I think that it was a poetic way for them to do it, and it's one of the most successful season finales I've ever seen. However, <clears throat> um, Penny Dreadful, uh, we, we get a... Uh, man, I don't know. Uh, we, we get a showdown with this season's Big Bad Villain, which we're introduced to in maybe like the second or third episode we find out that the series villain, the season's villain, is going to be Dracula. doesn't get much bigger than that. So... I feel like, like, I feel like there's got to be some kind of behind-the-scenes Hollywood explanation as for why this series is ending. Because I never heard any bad reviews of it. I never got any sense that it was performing poorly. And even up to the finale, it's set up. And if you haven't watched Penny Dreadful but you want to, turn this off now. Because the next 10-15 minutes, we're going to spoil the shit out of this. It's going to be very upsetting. <clears throat> Starting now. 3-2-1. Turn it off. Now it's your fault. They kill... Uh, Vanessa Ives. They kill Vanessa Ives. The protagonist of the entire series, I would say. And, but, but that's the end. That's it. Um, Dorian Gray and Lily, who have become kind of, sort of bad guys by the time you get to the end of this of season three forming a call to bloodthirsty right. hookers they both live on go their separate ways uh the amazing casting of chris carmaga he as dracula goes off dracula goes off on his own way uh, uh strange that dracula would do that malcolm murray and ethan chandler you know they you know, we're just going to live in the house. I mean, there's no real, you know, the even the monster, Frankenstein's monster, he loses his family again. Heartbreakingly so. Oh. His, like uh, Penny Dreadful has now become part of part of lore of the only things that I will shed a tear to. It's ET and all of the monster scenes e. and Penny Dreadful. Uh, Rory Kinnear's portrayal of Frankenstein's monster. And the way it's written, it's so fucking heart-wrenching throughout all three seasons. And then by the time you get to the very end, like, you know, you understand that he is... that he has the power of, like, ten men. He has the strength to rip a person in half. Vertically. That's how you're introduced to him in 
the, the first season. Season one, like episode two or something like that. But he has but as you go through and experience him, you find that he has like the heart and soul of a poet. Right, yeah, and he's a he's a, a very sensitive character and he's a very emotional character. And he's oh fuck he's written so good and the way Rory Kinnear plays him he's fucking perfect and you understand that he only he he rips a guy apart but only because he needs because he's like you're not gonna do this to somebody else like Frankenstein has created Rory Kinnear's monster and then he's done it again but Rory Kinnear's monster understands all of the horrors and all the hardships that his character's already gone through. And at this and by the time he rips a person in half, he's like, No, Dr. Victor Frankenstein, you're done. What's so hardcore about the uh, ripping in half of the character, not just the how graphic that is, but the episode more most of the episode that that happens and you get to spend time with this new character as he sees with life. Frankenstein two point as he sees life for the first time, and he's so and innocent the, and the beauty, kind. The beauty of children and love and friendship and all those things, and how the sun glistens off the ocean, and all those beautiful, wonderful things. And you end the episode with bloody, bloody death and dismemberment. It's <laughs> so hardcore. Yeah, I mean, it's it's brilliant. And those, the first the first couple seasons are brutal. And by the time you get to the third season, there's less brutality because at that point, we're already dovetailing everyone's stories together. We're already wrapping everything up. So you don't need all that setup of all the blood and gore and the brutality. Yeah. I, I think that by that time there, in the third season, we really expanded on Ethan Chandler's story and the tale of how he became a werewolf, where he came from. He's a... Uh, a a traveler from America, the Penny Dreadful, mostly takes place in late 1800s England, Industrial Revolution style. Um, Ethan Chandler is a carnival show uh, wild, sharpshooter, Wild West sharpshooter that um, is employed by Sir Malcolm Murray as, for some night work, as it's called, or uh, murder, as other people would call right. it. And Ethan Chandler also happens to be a fucking werewolf. So I feel so fucking stupid for not picking up on that more immediately. Well, he because was... you don't like I didn't get it until the final the season finale of season one. I didn't get it either. When he I, turns. No. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. Me neither. Because like you get some things going on. Like it's it's interlaid through the entire season that something is ripping apart people in london but the way it's set up you're like all right you get the setting it's late 1800s london you're like all right jack the ripper you understand all this horrible stuff's happening so me i was like okay well this is some different play on jack the ripper and then by the end of season one ethan turns into a werewolf and i'm like motherfuck we've already seen victor frankenstein we've already seen dracula we've already seen malcolm murray like, we know the names. Like, yeah. why didn't I see this coming? Well, here, this is why. Because and this is what part of the charm of Penny Dreadful is that I know we just said werewolves, vampires, witches, zombies, all that bullshit. I know we just said that, but it's played, the way that it's played out is very um, realistic, ground level, believable, based in reality. 
Um, and I think that's part of the, the reason why it's, it's, it's different because it doesn't feel like fantastical stuff. It feels like it's maybe grounded in some science. Uh, Victor Frankenstein's science exploits are, are pretty thoroughly documented about how he tests things and fails and does all this different work. It's not like a one-shot wonder where he does things and it happens. Um, so everything is kind of grounded in a sort of reality that you're like, oh, well, maybe some of this weird shit could happen. It's it's not a fantasy show, I don't think. Right, and they're, and they're like, they played enough with the lore of things like Mary Seward, who, like, right before Penny Dreadful kicked off, I read Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm-hmm. And Mary Seward is the first victim of Dracula in that book. But you don't get the name Seward until season three, when she's the psychologist for um, Vanessa, for Ives. Vanessa Ives, so uh, they play with a lot of things. You don't, and then they introduce uh, Doctor Jekyll in the third season, and you never see him become a big hulking uh, Mister Hyde, but you understand the diff- You understand the difference in his psychology, and you understand like what he's what he's playing against and what he's trying to achieve and what he's trying to fight against by trying to reform all these uh, psychological inmates of, you know, the London prison. The basics of his medicine is turning somebody's disposition from insanity into normalcy. And you can see how that could possibly, totally, will definitely backfire on him and i'm sad to not be able to ride with it and see it next season yeah like that's what i wanted to see like that was the payoff whenever we're talking about things that are happening i'm like oh fuck well i I can't wait to see you know dr jekyll and mr hyde next season and are we going to get like the the invisible man or what other victorian era characters are we going to pull from like that's the charm of petty dreadful it's all these characters that are up for grabs that you can pull from from that era that i i feel like we're gonna miss out this show was so smart the way they intertwined everything together uh you generally know there are more vampires there are more werewolves it's a bigger epidemic of both factions but you're just focused on ethan ethan chandler uh, Josh Hartnett in an amazing role. I would never have put Josh Hartnett up for an Emmy until this season, until or this series. Was he? But he was so good. Part of like, <clears throat> what was your favorite part of Penny Dreadful? Malcolm Murray. Yeah, the troubled father of Mina Murray who disappears. They find out at the end of season one that she's been turned into a vampire by Dracula, and he has to kill her. But at the same time, um, Vanessa Ives has been Mina's best friend all these years. So there's been this strenuous relationship between Malcolm Murray and Vanessa Ives because she he feels like she's responsible for his daughter getting pulled into this madness and getting killed. All that flips, and you understand it in the middle of season one. And one of the, the most brilliant turn of a television season I've ever seen. So good, but the way Timothy Dalton plays Malcolm Murray is, <clears throat> and he gets he gets seduced in the second season, uh, you know, dealing with the grief of just finally putting his daughter to rest, and his son, as well, finding out what actually happened to his son and having to put his wife 
in the ground. And he is, like, the even though he's one of those characters that doesn't have any special abilities. He's not a witch. He's not a vampire. He's not Frankenstein's monster. He's just a man. He is the late 1800s, real-life Indiana Jones. But he carries he's a, all he's of this a great weight. hunter of the, the African plains. Yes. That's like his claim to fame. And in the meantime, while he's while he's being the great hunter of the African plains, he's neglecting his family. He's neglecting his children. And only after they're dead does he realize how important they were to him and what he should have done in life. And he's just a really tragic character that forges on and keeps moving and keeps going forward and keeps trying to do the right thing. You know what? I fucked this up. I'm going to get it right the next time. I'm going to keep going. And, like, I've seen Timothy Dalton in a, hand, in a handful of things. He's so good. He is He is the hope of that series. He is the hope for redemption. The hope of finally getting things right. My, my favorite part of the series is uh, Eva Green's Vanessa Ives. I know she's the main character and that's like the person that you get the most spotlight right, right. from. But it was her performance in the second episode of the first season, the seance episode, where she is possessed by demons and devils. And the performance that Eva Green gives is one of those moments where you sit there and you're like, you, you think people are good actors or actresses or whatever the fuck you want to call them. And you see somebody do an out-of-body experience like the second episode seance where she is possessed and it'll it blows your mind anybody out there that has access to watch that i say go and check it out because that's what sold me on this entire series i like the first pilot episode it was cool but Ava green's performance and her performance throughout and her fighting against what is essentially her nature um, throughout the entire time to fight against that and to do the things that she does, I thought was it was it was really awesome up until the final episode where you're you're really let down. You're really bummed out with the eventuality of her just like kind of surrendering um, in a few different fashions, surrendering to Dracula's seduction, which is the crux of season three. Dracula is trying to seduce her in a secretive way, and then in a pretty upfront way, and she she kind of bends to it. Yeah, but her she she resigns to it. But I mean, there's that, a there's I mean, a is that any, there's an yeah. absolute heroic nature to what she does, but it's not. It's not satisfying. Would but you, that's, wouldn't but you like? Wouldn't a more satisfying ending being her going up against Dracula? Yes. And or writing, not, isn't that how you write a fucking show? Yeah. Right. And that's but that's the kind of show that I want. But when you think about it, that's not how life works. Sometimes it it's over. I'm and usually that's just in it. that. And no one's better. And everything just goes on. And it's. Horrible. I'm usually in that camp. That usually satisfies the shit out of me. I want to see reflections of real life in the things that I like. In but all is the that, fiction. Is that a reflection of real life? That everything goes the way you want? Well, no, 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 no. What I'm saying is what you just said, where sometimes people don't do the right things, and sometimes people just resign, right, but and it doesn't all, end the way but, that you want. But 
they they all do the right things. Vanessa does the right thing. She doesn't succumb to Dracula in the end of the world. She says, Ethan, kill me. And Ethan's like, Ethan acquiesces. You're the love of my life, but I need to let this go for the greater good. And he does it. And it's completely unsatisfying. Right. But nobody likes it. Right. But, and nor- but normally like, I would... That's I would, like a real world scenario. Yeah. It's not like... It's not like uh, always sunny scenario where it's just crazy caricature all the time. No. I mean... And, stuff- and I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying that typically in the, the stuff that I like, in the fiction that I like, I like that little slice of reality, that little thing that is like, yeah, that's how that actually would happen. I usually like that. But in this instance, I don't know what it is because I like the property so much, because I like the protagonist so much, because I wanted to see the heroic fucking triumph so much that I, I like, rejected it, and I didn't want to see this, like, really bummer, unsatisfying, underwhelming ending to this series that I really love. I know. Like, it goes against what I, like, normally I would be. I don't. That's how it fucking goes. That's life, motherfucker. I don't, I don't want that wrap-up either, because I, I'm, I'm tired, tired of that. I want hope and happiness and everything, everything should finally work out. And in television, where you get to pick how everything works out, and you get to give a Game of Thrones season six ending, where all of the epilogues come together, and every one that you've been pulling for it brings six John seasons, Snow back to life, and right? Fucking, and you get and that. They like win that's the what I wanted. Of the bastards, and everybody's alive. If and season three, Arya slits the Frey's neck, and it all works out great. If season three of Game of Thrones is gonna end. Like I want, I want somehow, yeah. Ethan kills Vanessa, but Vanessa's still alive. Dracula's dead. Like it all works out so that we can finally just put all this to rest, and it leads to us now, where there's no crazy monster shit in the future. Like I mean, that's ideally how it should be, but I mean, John Logan was like, "Fuck what you guys want." I'm going to give you brutal honesty, and you're going to like it or not like it. fucking eat it. So is that what you're getting out of Preacher? Brutal honesty? Uh, brutal honesty? No, I don't think that I'm getting... Or a, a little fantasy? Honesty. A little I mean, fantasy? I mean, I like, I, I like my fantasy. I like my brutal honesty as well. I like my, my bits of real life seeping into my... Like seeping into my fiction. Preacher, as fans of this show know, Paul and myself's favorite comic book property. Um, hands down, they're, they're really, for me, there isn't any kind of comparison. I've been disappointed with the live action series. I You were. Well, hold on. I, feel like <laughs> I, I didn't think that... I didn't think that the live-action series was super faithful to the story. It right. hasn't been faithful but to you've the story. Seen There's a lot of things that have been so different that it's hard to kind of compile We've seen, what, where eight episodes from. so far? We'll say eight. I think so. Sure, eight. I think eight episodes. It, it's been a half-summer full of episodes at this point. It started in on Memorial Day or the weekend before Memorial Day. We're in the beginning of July right now. Um, Preacher has not necessarily followed 
the it hasn't followed at all the storyline of the books. But I I will have to admit to you, Paul, that it does have some hints of the spirit of the the book and and what it's about and redemption and terrible people making amends. Don't be too fucking happy with yourself. Um, so I will I will say that. Um, I'll I'll get into the stuff that I really like right now. Um, I I recently watched the latest episode, which was the episode right after Eugene Arsface comes up to Jesse sends Arsface to hell. Right, and then the next episode, which is one we're talking about right now, are dealing with the fallout of that, the fallout of Cassidy seeing this happen. Cassidy, which was a nice touch. Cassidy knowing that Jesse has all this power and all this sway with the word of God. He can send somebody to hell, which is a pretty fucking bold thing for him to be able to do. Um, they Cassidy kind of confronts Jesse a little bit in the beginning of the show. A light confrontation about, hey man, what are we going to do about this? Jesse kind of sloughs it off a little bit. Then we get into um, some of the Cassidy and Tulip dynamic, which I think and I maintain is the best part of spirit of the show. So you had texted me earlier in the week, or maybe, yeah, we were texting her on Twitter or something, I forget where it But you were like, oh, yeah, yeah, I really liked, you know, some of the Cassidy Twitter, Cassidy Tulip interaction. And I watched the episode today, and I was like, oh, whenever they're talking in the kitchen, when, like, Tulip went grocery shopping and she's putting the stuff away and they're talking about who knows Jesse better. Like that must have been... That's what I'm talking about. That was what you were talking about. But, and I was was a little surprised that you decided that's what you like better because by the time Cassidy and Tulip were having intimate discussions about Jesse and their relationship with Jesse, we are way later in the comic. We are deep. But I mean, we're in like season, we're in like episode eight of season one at this point, and they've already fucked, and there's already a hinted romantic relationship. I don't think, right, I don't think there's a real romantic relationship yet. I don't think there ever is in the comic book. No, I to, don't think so either. To the I, real, to the real definition of romantic relationship, but I think at some point. Like, Cassidy feels like this is what he needs. But, but here's, even here's now, the thing. I like, don't think you, this is what Cassidy thinks he needs. But Cassidy's not into Tulip in the show just yet. I disagree with that. <gasps> I think that Cassidy is into Tulip. He really likes her. He really has, has he feels like he has some kind of connection or something with her. I think he digs her. Like, she's uh, a cool chick. I, I don't but know. But by the time, by, by the Cass- time Cassidy has he's a lot of- keeping her doped up. In the book, yeah, late, late in the run of the book, like Cassidy really thinks this is the girl for him. I think that, and the, he's doing all is, the wrong decisions. This is the seeds for of the girl that's this for is the him. seeds of that. That this is the this is where I get that that lust is a weird word to use here. Lust isn't the word that I want to use here. It's a different kind of feel. Infatuation probably is closer to it. He has an infatuation with Tulip. And he, because he's attaching 
weird stuff like, well, you made love with me. And he sincerely meant that. And she's like, I fucked you in the back of that fucking Chevy. Like, that's where they went with that. Yeah, but you can tell that he meant that when he says that line. He was like, well, you made love to me. He meant that because, like, he... No, he did. No, he did. Don't look at me like that. That's his... That's the way he felt. No, like, I'm going to look at you like that because... I have a rebuttal. I have a point counterpoint to that. Okay. And, you know, we've read the book. We've read the this entire... This is the book. Do we agree on that first? Right. Okay. Exactly. And and that's part of the point that I want to make, is that, yeah, this could absolutely be that. But, one, we've read the book, so we know that Cassidy's been a vampire since 1700s. No. He hasn't been a vampire since the 1700s. He, he, no. He, he has okay. been a vampire since, like... Like 19, Civil War. Like, no, 1920s. Really? Yeah. I thought he like, was 18. No. All right, well, sorry. Because, okay. why? Because he, he comes to America, he is a vampire, he watches... Oh, back up. He, whenever... He watches the Empire State. He's there for the Empire State Building on You're the right. first night. We were, and that's like we were, I don't know, and, but that's twenties, thirties. Yeah, and you and I talked earlier about how my memory is terrible. So, okay, so in the books, but he's like a hundred years old ish, somewhere around. Yeah, there. still, even if I mean the preacher TV show takes place in twenty sixteen. Yeah. Though I mean the books take the book takes that's place. That's only a twenty year 96. difference. That's only a twenty year difference right. between a character. Yeah, it's that's not like it's not it's not so crazy. So like the guy's still been around for a hundred years. Don't you so, when you I if don't you were think, around for a hundred years, would you not get sentimental about somebody that you liked? Yeah, but like I don't think Cassidy at this point is getting duped into anything. By this duped. point, I don't think he's being. No, he's not getting purposefully. Duped. I don't think he's being. Tulip duped. isn't tricking him into anything, but I don't think he'd have such an instant sentimental attachment. Like I feel like I think that's part of Cassidy's charm, dude. I, I think don't that's th- part of what I makes do, him work as a character. I do too, but it's not a sentimental attachment. I think it's a more carnal, needy selfish attachment i think it starts that way and it it develops into something more sentimental and maybe like i really do right so yeah but right now he wouldn't have said if it was all carnal he would have said like that's why we fucked or that's why i banged you or that's why you like he specifically said and the writers wrote yes you made love and he said it but i think sincerely i think that's Part, no, I don't think it was sincere. It was I think sincere. it's part of Cassidy's game because we know Cassidy's game. And, that's Evan, and Seth Rogen... the charm no, of Cassidy exactly. is that he, he has yes. a sincere side like that. That's... Yes, Continue. and I'm Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg know Cassidy's game. We're not looking at that scene from... Oh, what? Do you want to interrupt me? Do you want to interrupt me? I do, but the so fans at home like, can't yeah, see that. Yeah, we're not looking at. Uh, yeah, we're looking at that scene from like at this point in in the series. I mean, Tulip's Tulip's badass. Tulip's hardcore. Tulip doesn't take fucking shit. And 
But we don't know a whole lot about Cassidy. But you and me. No, don't shake your fucking head. Ian, I'm not Ian, interrupting you. I know, Ian, you and me. And fans no. of the series. No. Fans of the comic. Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, the writers, they know Cassidy. This is part of how fucked up Cassidy is. That this to is the, where to we're the common viewer agree on how fucked up Cassidy is because I think that Cassidy really loves Tulip and really loves Jesse, and that's the love triangle, is that Cassidy can't decipher how much, in the end, spoiler... He loves Jesse more than he loves Tulip because of the things that he sacrifices in the final book. But that's the love triangle, is that he loves both of them. I feel like this is too early in the series. And now, um, granted... To plant it's a, the seeds? Yeah, and then now, granted, it's a TV series, so, I mean, we don't know how long this is going to go. So, often, like, the default rule for writers and creators in a tv series are we need to just push as much as we can because we don't know how time we're going to get right. we don't know how much right. time we're going to get so that could be part of this but like if there's a legitimate multi-season plan i feel like the way this is going to play out if they get all those seasons is that because of the three characters jesse tulip and cassidy Cassidy is the most selfish, reprehensible of the three of them. And the way this is going to work out in the end is that Cassidy is playing every situation. Yes, he has I don't think genuine ever... affinity for Jesse and Tulip. But he never but... played the he never played them in the comic book either though. He's no, not, he, right. he's not somebody that right. plays people. That's right. He he acts on his emotions and his emotions Tell him genuinely that he likes Tulip, and that in the yeah. way that in the way that they split it in the TV series is by not letting him know that Tulip is Jesse's girlfriend. That's how they split it in the TV series, so he could have those two divergent feelings. But I don't think you're saying that he's playing them, and I think that's disingenuous to what Cassidy's nature is. I don't think he's. I think he's a flawed person. He's not a player. Right. He doesn't have plans. Because he's not the fucking Joker. He just has impulses and feelings, and his loyalty and his lust conflict constantly. And that's the that's the downfall of Cassidy. Right, because you're you're bringing in all the comic book Cassidiness of that, and I totally agree. Don't I don't know what you do. You fucking like. Gave the wall a kiss or something? <laughs> what the fuck was I'm that? I'm trying to not. I'm trying no, not no, to no, yell over no, the top of you. Here we go. Here we go. Listen. 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 Well, I'm with you. I'm with I'm you. I'm not. Because I'm of using the, the No. 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 I'm using the fucking information that's given to me by the show. I, I understand what you're saying. It would be the same. But you exact just said. You just brought up comic book lore about how. Like, all this time, Cassidy doesn't know. But comic book lore is out at this point. So all we have to go on is show lore. Because and because in the comics, you I agree in, with you. you. You brought in the whole Seth Rogen knows that the comic right, book right, viewers. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. using 
I'm using that part that you brought in. But I and agree I'm with you. That. And if we're just reading what Garth Ennis set up, sets up in the comments, let's just, let's Cassidy just, doesn't okay. know. Let's just do. Let's just do the TV show. All right. Let's just. All right. Do, all right. What, what do we see in the right. TV show? But before that, they had sex. We're in right? agreement. That he liked her before that. Even, no, right? boy, stop. We're in agreement in the comics. Cassidy really doesn't know because he's with them equally the entire time, and then Jesse's dead Wait, in the he comics. Doesn't, he doesn't know what. He, do, he, like, he doesn't have any allegiance to either one. Like, he's Jesse's... What? Well, I guess he has what? allegiance He has allegiance to Jesse. He's Jesse's buddy. But then Jesse dies. And no. then Tulip's going through all this grief. And right. Cassidy's and he grieving. Met, and, and he then, met Tulip first. Right. And he had a thing. And he was like, oh. No. No, he met Tulip first. And he was like, I'm along for this ride. I'm going to try to take care of this girl. Holy shit. This is fucking crazy. But, like, he was with her. Yeah. And, like... And then, but but then so much happens, and it's clearly it's enough time that there's a recognizable Jesse Tulip, like uh, like Cassie's out of the equation. But then Jesse dies, and then there's grieving, and they're both going through. Right, shit. right. I agree so with that. the comic has much more room, much more time to decompress and really get into how these characters are handling all this mess. And dealing with each other, but right now in the show, like I mean, you're thrown into Jesse and or you're thrown into Cassie and Tulip right away. It's so fast. Right, right. But they still have some history right away. Like they still have like her saving his life, ish, sort of taking him to the hospital. Like then after that happening, her finding out his secret that he really hasn't told anybody fucking else. So that's something that he's giving to her that he hasn't surrendered even he to He didn't her. give shit. It was he had to to survive. Right. And he but he he fessed up 100%. He could have left town at that point. He could have done anything, but he stayed there because he, he was loyal to Jesse. That's where that's why it's a love triangle, Paul. Three ways. Cuz he is loyal. He has loyalty to Jesse and affection it infatuation that's the word I'm going with with Tulip he has it at this point in the series that's what they're that's what they wrote in the fucking show man yeah because Are you, not, you don't agree with that you think it's a fucking card game you think it's a scam because he's a player and it, it's and not it, it still is because you just said now he has an infatuation with Tulip, and he does. Right. He's got an interest with Tulip it, no, because it's Tulip, an, it's an Tulip is wild. Okay. I mean, Tulip pushed him out a window and drove him to the hospital and watched him drink bags of blood, and she's not kicking him out of his house the next day. So after 100 years, Cassidy's like, all right, this is different. Let's see what's going on here. At the, and at the same time, he's dealing with my. And uh, this is a problem. This is a problem I had with the last episode. Okay. Um, TV series strictly, uh, Cassidy and Jesse are acting like more so. Cassidy to Jesse is acting like they're best friends. I'm like motherfucker. You've known each other for about a week. Right. Cassidy says he's my best friend. Right. In a way, he is his best friend. Don't you? Th do you agree? No, I, I do. I do. So then, I, I agree so in the sense that 
This is this is the closest either of them have gotten so to another person to in a long time. If he's that for, quick to form best friends, wouldn't you think he would also be that quick to form attachments romantically to somebody that he had sex with that he quote unquote said made love to? Right? Yes, but okay. But so that's in line with what the writers on yeah, the show this, put for this character. But Just want to say, like I said when I started, this is also a problem that I have with this particular, like with that declaration of best friendness, because all this in the book, all this grows right like, over this time. Is a so weird thing. like this is what I like, stands I have. have like they're gonna rush this shit. Like I don't have a problem with this. I know, and you have like, to you and this. I. Since since Why the, the fuck can't we since the announcement of this preacher series, we've been on opposite ends of opposite stuff the entire time. So like, I like the series. I like the girl that plays Emily. Like her addition, the you just like church the, helper. No, you like her eyebrows and you like how pretty she is. That's no no. Say yes into the microphone. Yes. <laughs> No, but I've, okay, seen so her, go ahead. but I've I've seen her in other stuff. Yes, I like her eyebrows, but like I I like I like that addition. But the I I want to see I want to see more development of the relationship between Cassidy and Jesse. And I I do have a problem with the fact that after episode eight, which has happened maybe maybe it's a week or two weeks that. Cassidy's able to say, this is my best friend. Like, yeah. motherfucker, you've been alive for years. And as, like, you've been with boys in Ireland for way longer than this, who are your real boys. Like, and I, I, but I maybe appreciate... you lose track, people die. Yeah, I get it. I, like, I, maybe I you they are die by then. To form those yeah, relationships. Since he's a vampire, he's had to form those different relationships. And I agree that there's a kinship, yeah. and there's even an emotional kinship. That since Cassidy's on the move all the time, he hasn't been able to be really grounded anywhere. Anywhere, and same with Jesse. Like Jesse's been a fucking of a float all this time. Like Jesse's and now my it's biggest finally, fucking problem with this whole show. And Tulip's my biggest problem with the show. Like always, Jesse is completely like yeah. And Cassidy's great. And Cassidy, I think, is one of our favorite. Comic book characters of all time, like fictional characters. Cassidy is one of my favorites. Oh, he's he's amazing. Jesse is so the problem that I have with Jesse. Tulip doesn't drive the plot in the same way that Jesse does. So maybe that's why I'm like, all right, well, this is like a ramped up version of Tulip, and that's fine. Jesse is had has progressed from the really really soft, um, beaten version of Jesse that you only see in about. 5% of the comic books into this version that we have in the past ep couple episodes where he's like a deplorable asshole who sends... He's like megalomaniac. It, it, which, which I kind of, like, I get. Genesis overtakes you and it makes you a megalomaniac and that's cool, but you have to save that for later episodes. You have to save that for another season. You have to let somebody else come in and save. You have but to let the, same the power time, of like... We don't know how many seasons we're getting. Well, yeah, we you have gotta to let, tell what we gotta tell. You have to let the power of your friendship with Cassidy and your love for Tulip save you from being a fucking asshole next season, not eight episodes in. And that's like, you haven't given, given Jesse enough time to be a heroic character. 
character that has hope, somebody that you can count on and back and be behind. He's just a weak ass and then a megalomaniac that's all-powerful. I don't like either one of those. I don't think he's necessarily a weak ass, but, like, when when we watched the first two episodes, I mean, you were ready to burn everything down. Right, yeah. And I was ready to keep going. Right. But as, as these eight episodes have turned, now I'm less on the Jesse train. Right. Okay. And you're like, all right, I think maybe we're getting to where we want to go. I think that, the, like, I think the series as a whole is getting to where we need to go. Jesse is still totally off base. Because Jesse's He's never... unlikable. Right, because Jesse's never been... I've got this under control. Jesse's never been the guy. I mean, there have been times in when... The, in the show. There, right. Well, there have been times... No, there have been times in the book where he's completely ditched Tulip. Fucked up, but right. you understand his motivation. Right, but there is motive because it, right, it's, it's motive. Like I've got this under control. I hate what I'm doing. I hate that I'm that I have to leave you. But this is what I have to but do. But that's not what's there's happening. A, there's a humanity to it, right? Now, in episode seven, eight of the, of the TV series, Jesse's off the rails, and he's never been like that because, like Jesse's always he's always been in control. He's always understood. Yeah, I've got this power in me, but the power never overtook him in the books he's like i've i'm i'm i know what i'm doing i know what i have to do i'm gonna do it and i love that turn i really do but i don't like it but fucking because four he, episodes into because him he discovering has, the power he's not even like, doing it yet that. he's not like, even he's not, doing it yeah like and, he just found out that he could send people to hell like right. i think that Which after never you happens do some, in the book no i i don't even have a problem with that like it's literal you can do literal fucking things with it. But I think we should have, I don't know, been a little more liberal with what we did. Like, you know, like lead up to it a little more gracefully. That's all. Yeah, and like, though, like, I've been, I'm totally cool with Dominic Cooper's performance. I like where he, I, I like how he's handling things. But I don't think the writers are handling Jesse, the way he's always been handled. Jesse has always been the hero. He's always been the good guy. He's always been the moral compass. And when you have Cassidy questioning Cassidy what he should be doing, show. that is not right. right. But it, and at the same time, you've always liked Tulip the entire time. But like Tulip, to me, and, uh, and maybe you'll be like, "Hey, girls, girl power," because you're the one that likes. You know, Tulip, does, Tulip doesn't need any man. Tulip can Tulip can do what she wants. But for me, like Tulip has always been capable. She can handle herself in any situation. But at the same time, in the book, she's always uh, like she's always succumbing to what Jesse wants. Well, that's like, why it's I... always about it's always about Jesse. And in a sense, in the show, it is. What Jesse wants. She's still waiting for Jesse. Yeah, and that's why I said it's... But she's not a fucking bitch. She's not a cunt. I don't think cunt. that she's a fucking... She's a cunt. I don't think show. she's a cunt in the show. In the book, that's why I say that she's tuned up to the highest degree of Tulip. It's too far. But she still feels like the same character. She still feels like, although they've taken away from her since they've introduced her backstory no, a little like, bit. No, it, like, no. In, in the show, like, this Tulip, Ruth Negus Tulip can dip. And go wherever the fuck she wants. And do whatever she wants. Because she's so self-sufficient. 
But she can't. A- a- no, because- but she can because she's so self-sufficient. She like she's so badass. You're like, why are you waiting for this guy that fucking dumped her ass? But in the book, that Tulip and that Jesse have such a symbiotic relationship between the two of them. It's not just Tulip. But she it's had no Jesse's choice. Jesse's relationship too. Jesse left her. She had no choice. She still stood on her own accord and did the things that her dad taught her how to be a yes. fucking badass. But like, in the those book, things are still you there. You still feel the love from Jesse to Tulip. You f- still feel the connection between them. And the show. That's Dominic Cooper's fucking fault, man. That's yeah, his I'm not saying it's not. But like, that's, that's, a, his that's fault. one of the problems with Jesse and Tulip because we're fucking eight episodes in, and eight episodes, Jesse's like, get out of here, get out of here. I hate your guts. I hate your guts. Get out of here, get out of here. And that's not the relationship. They are connected through thick and thin, no matter what. They are together. And that's not what we're getting from either one of these actors. I, I agree. I totally agree. I'm sorry. I blame that on Dominic Cooper. I think he, I think he's the wrong choice for the lead of the show. That's it. You don't, Do you think it's Dominic Cooper or the way the writers are writing both of their characters? I think it's a Trying combi- to make them too self-sufficient it's on a combination of It's a combination of the two things. Dominic Cooper isn't responsible for making himself so soft, then so reprehensible later. His performance also isn't all that great, but... Like, I have, I have no problem with Ruth Nega's performance. Like, I think they're both doing a great job. I just think there's a... There's kind of a disconnect between both of them that's not giving us the yeah. foundation that Jesse and Tulip really need to build on. Yeah, maybe it just isn't the chemistry that we want. Right now we're going to answer a listener question. And Ian, give us the listener question. Right. It comes from Ryan McCormick of aforementioned A Fireside Chat. He asks, are there any shows that you have never seen but heard are really good but refuse to watch for whatever reason? Spoilers, overhype, etc. Paul, are there any shows that you've never watched for any of those reasons? Too much hype? You're a too much hype guy. You don't like to watch that. Oh, yeah. Once, some, once something gets on the hype train, I I can't handle it. Uh, I felt <laughs> I felt that way about Adventure, Adventure Time for a long time. Yeah. I stayed away Adventure... Uh, I thought, oh, Jesus. I stayed oh, Jesus away Christ. from Adventure Time for a long time because, like, there was too much hype in that. Silly animation was too weird, and I couldn't, I couldn't escape previews from it, and it looked too silly. I'm like, I can't rationalize this kid with a sword fighting demons with a kingdom that was made of candy. That's so it was super weird so, that you couldn't put that together. Like it was just it so bizarre. Cartoon, sir. Yeah, but I mean, we can't. We come from the world of cartoons, right. which all makes sense. Like, yeah, there's like bird guys called Stratos. They're one of the masters of the universe, along with big ripped barbarian guys with. Guys, they just have a skull for a head. There are like, people that are part, that all made sense. There are people that are partly metal, partly real, exactly. and we call them Silverhawks. Exactly, all that made sense. But like Adventure Time seemed too fucked. Up. You just hated seeing those fuckers with the 
with hats at conventions. I didn't get it. I thought it was two different shows. Yeah. Literally, I thought it really? was two different shows. I thought it was like the Candy Kingdom stuff, and then it was like Finn and Jake. Yeah. And I thought they were two different shows because mm. they didn't line up. And then you and and at the same time, you're getting all kinds of horrible, uh, rudimentary animation. So, like, I mean, like, Adventure Time's going on, and regular show's going on, mm. and, yeah, I could stick a fucking marker in my asshole and draw this. It's so rudimentary. So, yeah, like, I don't know what's going on. So I specifically stayed away from Adventure Time for a long time. And then I caught a block of a marathon of Adventure Time one right. day, and I lost my mind because it was so good. Adventure Time is brilliant. I love Adventure Time. We've made Finn and Jake buttons for McSauce <laughs> because we love Adventure Time it's, so It's much. an awesome show. It's really well written. It's it's super clever. It's very it, funny. It, it really is. The I, voice I, acting is high quality. Um, Dan Castanella of Homer fame of The Simpsons uh, <clears throat> plays uh, Jake, and it's it's a really really awesome show to watch. So if anybody hasn't watched, it, Dan Castanella doesn't play Jake. Dan Castanella doesn't play Jake? Oh. Are you sure? I'm absolutely positive. Be positive? Yeah, I'm yeah. absolutely positive. It's um, it's John DiMaggio. Don, John who DiMaggio. Jake. Who, um, who's Bender on... Yes, ah, Futurama. It's an easy mistake to make, but people. callback, Jeremy Shada, who plays Finn on Adventure Time, mm -hmm. plays... Lance on, on Netflix Voltron. Right. But yeah, Adventure Time is super good. But like the one series that I've really stayed away from because of too much hype. and But mostly because of not enough time to watch it is Orange is the New Black. I'd, I'd like you to watch that, man. Like I, I know you hate ladies. I know you hate minorities. But it's a really brilliant show. It's, it's really... <clears throat> It's really charming. It's really funny. The characters are really, really thickly layered. It's heartbreaking to see the way that some of these ladies end up in jail. Some of the ways are typical ways that you would think that they would happen. Other other situations, Crazy Eyes, we just find out this past season how Crazy Eyes ends up in the clink. Isn't this like six, season six? Season four. Um, the thing that I like about Orange is the New Black the most is that I think that the writers have found that the least interesting character is the main character, and they've sort of... Uh, that What's-Her-Face from that no, 70s show? No, she's a sidekick to that character. She's her lesbian lover who was the reason why she ended up in jail. Uh, Laura Prepon is the person you're talking yes. about. Yeah, no, she's not the main character. She's... Who's the main character? Main character is... I forget what I her. thought Laura Prepon was the main character. No, she's not the main character. Uh, I forget what that actress's name is. Blonde girl. Taylor Schilling? Taylor Schilling is the main character on that show. And Piper Chapman? Piper Chapman. And they've sort of ventured away from Piper Chapman being like the main deal of the show and explored some of the more uh, interesting characters that are in the prison while it's a show about prison, it's so pretty fucking funny, man. So I would say if you're looking for something to watch, I know that you don't 
really venture in, into Netflix all that much, Paul. But I would say Orange is the New Black is a show that I think that you would probably like. So at least give it a season. Taylor Schilling was in Lucky One with my personal favorite, Zac Efron. Zac Efron. Handsome, male, white. I like a hero. handsome, male, white hero. Um, of the overhyped shows that um, I've refused to watch, I can't say refuse to watch. I've made myself watch. Uh, recently, I put myself through the throes of fucking watching this show. This past weekend, I tried to make myself watch for the third time HBO's Girls. Paul, I know you love that show. Paul, I respect your opinion of TV. I really do. As much as I hate you. And everything you stand for. I like your opinion on television shows. And I uh, thought that girls would be something that I could possibly maybe get into. Holy fuck, can I not get behind any single one of those characters. And now I have the added burden of watching fucking Kylo Ren bang some chick. But he's the best. He's the best part I can't of put- that show. I can't and look up at him and say, you killed Han Solo, you fuck. I can't look at him and not think that. Because I haven't seen him to the point that I watched Girls was before he was in any episode. So now I'm watching it and I'm like, ah, I totally associate you with now, your, your him, horrible future. <laughs> uh, like, I know it's called Girls and it's about the four main girls but the reason i watch it are for the main two guys which are sexist. <clears throat> yeah exactly i'm sexist racist like all of the above yeah. but it's for adam driver who plays adam sackler and alex karpovsky who plays ray plashansky mm-hmm. and if there was a show that was just ray and adam i would totally watch it because they are the best parts of that show because they ground all of the craziness that's happening with the girls around them. And like maybe that's that maybe that speaks to like the greater point of how I feel about how fucking crazy girls are. Maybe you need a you need a man to ground the craziness of girls. But, um, but like like Adam the the Adam Driver character Adam, he's fucking batshit. He is like autistic, OCD, something. He is not a normal guy. Yeah. Ray is Alex Karpovsky's Ray. He is the only normal person on the entire. Is show. he the one who shaves his head in the first like two episodes? No, no. no. Uh, Ray hooks up with um, Shoshana at some point. He owns his own coffee shop. I don't even know if Ray's in the first season. But he's super nerdy. But he is—he is the grounding of characters on that show. Like Ray is the most normal <coughs> guy. If any of us are gonna be on Girls, we're gonna be Ray. That goes for guys and girls listening to this show. Ray is the anchor for the show. But like Ian, you were like, yeah, yeah, I, I know. I need to give a, a series. Because I've told you multiple times, you need to give a show four or five episodes before it really hits its stride, before it really knows what it is. And I'm guilty of 
pulling the ripcord and parachuting out before. I, I'm guilty of it. I know it. That's why I've gone back. I'm trying to do my due diligence and watch the show as much as I can to kind of form a real, genuine opinion because I don't want to say that I'm just, I'm out. I don't like it because I just don't have the patience. But, man, I watched two episodes over the weekend. I'm four deep. I don't know if it's something for me. I would keep watching it if you think that there, if there's something redeemable in like the second season, I will power uh, through. Like, you know, it's a summer. There's no summer TV. I will watch until the second season. Part of me wants to say keep, like Ray has a much bigger role in the second season, and like Ray is a, a bigger anchor for Adam. Yeah. In the second season. And, like, those are, like, Ray, Adam, and Shoshana are the the big anchors for me. Like, those are the big characters that I, that I like the most. Like, Hannah, the main character, she's she's crazy, you know, a, a little unruly, but you can understand her. Uh, Marnie is un- unsufferable. You can't fucking stand Marnie. She is, like, elitist, uptight bitch. She's the worst. Uh, Jemima Kirk's... Uh, Jessa is so off the reservation. No one can relate to her. She's like a caricature of a caricature. But if maybe this can... is why I'm, I'm glad that you're summing it up like this because it sounds like the minor characters are like what you held on to and what made the show for you, and all the major characters, which are featured prominently in the first right. like five episodes, are fucking terrible. Right, but you get. Uh, have you have you has Andrew Reynolds been in yet? Uh, Elijah. I I don't. Hannah's so. ex boyfriend who's super gay. Oh yeah, he made his appearance in the last episode that I watched. He's awful early. By the time you get to whatever season they're on now, like I want all Elijah. It's tough to hang in with something that you're saying. Hey, just watch five seasons. It well, well for for be but for that one season, but there. Are, there were many more things for me to pull from through the first so many seasons, but that's what I like. You were like, you know what? I watched four episodes, right. and I feel like with a show like Girls, they really got it early. Yeah. Like they didn't need that build up. Like if you're not in by now, you're probably not going to be in later. But there are there are minor characters that get built up much more. Like in that first season, it's about the four girls. And the boyfriends are just there to show you more facets of the girls. Because it's primarily about the girls. But as the series goes on, it builds this community. And now it's not just about the four girls. Now it's just about... Now it's about the four girls plus the relationships they've made. And it's about Adam and Ray and Elijah and about the guy that shaved his head. And it's about the little short guy at the art dealership that you may or may not have got to yet. The guy from Lonely Island. Yeah. yeah. And it, it like it builds on itself, but like you know, most sitcoms, most standard sitcoms, and this is this is a comedy. And this is, and it's this an is HBO a, show. Like, and it's not a standard sitcom. And I, I generally like the things that are off-kilter and not the norm and not mainstream like i i really tend to gravitate towards that stuff so when i see this and i'm like oh, a lot of people like this and i don't get it at all i'm like gosh 
shit, man. I don't know where to go with it. Right. And like, I just want to give it a fair chance. And if I don't like it, I don't like it. But I feel like I don't know when the proper time to give something a fair chance is. So, Sauce Nation, what's the proper amount of episodes that I should watch? Facebook, Twitter, all that. I feel like if you're not in now, you're not going to be. Uh, like, if, if, it's, if, if it's a standard network show, you can give five, six episodes, you know, before, you know, the cast feels comfortable, the writers feel comfortable, everyone knows how they're producing this big product. But something that's a little more finely tuned, uh, it has more of one or two people guiding the machine, uh, like, girls kind of hit the ground running. And they've expanded and they've built, but... If you're not feeling the overall vibe by at least the end of the first season, then don't worry about it. Maybe it's not for you. And that's not a negative, you know. It's just not your, your gig. I just want to be fair. That's all I want to do. I want to be fair. I appreciate that. We're going to wrap it up tonight. Big supersized episode that we were not expecting tonight. TV, Unless... TV, and more TV. Unless we turn this thing over to uh, Mick Sauce producer Mac Sal and he, and he decides all this girls talk out all this game girl, all this Game of Thrones talk out Ow! and then you're gonna get a 20 minute episode but if Matt decides to keep it in lucky you you got a really good episode from Mick and Sauce <laughs> that's gonna do it tonight my name is Paul McGinty my name is Ian Sauce Sharpley We'll see you next time.